Right, so this is Mark chapter 5. This is the word of the living God. This is Jesus and his friends. They were just in a boat that they were almost drowned, and Jesus stilled a storm. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? This is some creepy action. My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are speaking to us now just as you spoke to this demon-possessed man who was afflicted and tormented. Lord Jesus, you speak to evil and evil responds to you. So we pray that you would do that tonight. Lord, we thank you for Matt who I know as a dear brother and who the rest of us are going to hear for the first time and pray that you would be with him, fill him um, with your word and with your love. We pray in Jesus name. Amen. Hey y'all. My name's Matt again, and I appreciate you coming out. Um, There are so many other things you could be doing right now and you chose to to sit and hear God's word tonight. So thank you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about what that strange story could mean for you. Um, A gospel in the first century was the announcement of a change in rule. 
So how news spread back in the day was like when Caesar, there's a new Caesar in town in, in Rome, they would send little runners out. Like we saw a bunch of runners today, like high school runners. They would send runners out and announce like, hey, Caesar's in charge. And that was called a gospel. And those people were called evangelists. And what the gospel of Mark has been saying that Chris has been preaching to you is that there is uh, the gospel of gospels is that there's a, there's a new king in town and it's the son of God, Jesus Christ. And he has come to bring his rule from heaven into earth in the form of a human being. And what's strange about that in, in our world is that what, com- what comes with that authority is that Jesus has the authority in the spiritual realm, which includes stuff like demonic forces and demons and a person called Satan. And that may be kind of hard for us to uh, wrap our minds around, but I want to give you a couple of examples just to kind of get us in the framework of, of the possibility that we live in very, very spiritual realities all the time. So let's say, um, let's say you are super into somebody, like, you know, romantically. <laughs> and like, it, like it's going real, real good, you know? And like you're pretty certain like, if this, if this is not what falling in love is, then I don't know what, what this is. And it's, and it's also reciprocal with the other person. And then that other person starts to wane in their interest for you. And you can kind of feel it. Um, and it, it gets so bad to where that, that other person like starts kind of reaching out to uh, another interest of theirs. And... How that hits you over the next several months, it's, it's not just that like you can't handle it, um, but you, like, you creep on them online uh, <laughs> daily, sometimes hourly, sometimes every minute. Um, and you know, it's the, it's the modern form, the acceptable version of stalking, by the way. Um, and it gets bad, y'all. I mean, like, this is a common experience, but you, like, you can't eat, you know? It's hard to sleep. When you wake up, you're thinking about that person. And you, your grades start to get, you know, worse. And if you could step outside of yourself, you know, you know this intuitively, that, like, there's something beyond your control. Like, you cannot, this is crazy. It's crazy that you, like, you can't, you can't just be normal. Um, there is a spiritual realm at play with that. I had a friend once who was addicted to heroin, and uh, he was sober at the time, and I took him to this gathering, and there was a fifth of whiskey on on the the counter uh, at this party. And I'm watching him the whole time. I'm watching my friend because I know he's got a problem. And I, I swear I didn't take my eyes off of him, but, but some, at some point during the night, he downed half of that bottle. And after he goes to, like, just so, so much of an addict, and after he goes to NA, and after he goes to AA, and he realizes that his problems are rooted in, like, family trauma, and he goes to talk therapy, and then he tries to land a job, and it's really hard because he's been to prison, and, and that's a bad background to, to have, like, a viable job. 
Like, it would be naive for us to say, well, like, his problems are just that he doesn't have self-control. Or that he's got a system set against him. What if there is an evil system at work in his life that keeps him from actually functioning in society? That makes a lot more sense than just saying that he can't get his life together. Now, I want to read, reread this passage again from another version quickly, uh, 1 through 9. And I just want to talk about this Legion guy for a little bit, okay? They, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs... And on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. I mean, that's strange, right? Like, that's weird. Um, Mark places this story right after Jesus calmed the, the sea. Chris preached on that last week, if you're here. It was, it was amazing. And what he's doing, what Mark's doing, is that he's showing us that Jesus has the authority over the, the natural realm in nature... But also, he has the authority to tame what goes on inside the heart of a human being. And that's what I want you to pay attention to tonight. That there are things that go on inside of us that are completely out of our control. And many times, we think that there is absolutely no hope to actually get that thing under control. And what Jesus wants to do is show you that he can defeat it, and that he will, if you want it, if that's what you want. Now, who is this guy? Well, he calls himself Legion. Uh, Legion was a term, we were talking with a Latin professor here at the pit. Um, the pit uh, is amazing, by the way. I've never eaten at a place like that. Uh, yeah, let's give it up for the pit. Yeah. Um, a Legion... Some think that, that that represented about 6,000 Roman soldiers. Okay, so this guy could, could very well be filled with 6,000 demons. Okay. And in Mark's account, it says that he ran around and screamed at night near the tombs. Tombs in the ancient world is where no one, it was not the good school district. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you didn't want to go there. Um, and he, he cut himself with stones. He was a cutter. And if you struggle with that uh, here tonight, come talk to me. I've had experience with that with my students at, at UNT. would love to talk to you about that. But this guy, was, he was hurting, to say the least. And there was this Jewish work called the Talmud that said, uh, this, this is what they said was um, people who had gone insane. According to the Talmud, the four signs of madness were walking abroad at night, 
spending the night on a grave, tearing one's clothes, and destroying what one was given. What Mark's doing is that he's, he's showing us that crazy Uncle Legion is meeting all the criteria for madness. And it's that point that Jesus wants to meet him, to, to step into his life. And as Jesus gets out of the boat, this guy comes up to him and he cries out, What have you to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Have you come here to torment us before it's time? Strange. Again. And I can't think of a creepier scene. Like if you were actually there and that guy came up to Jesus, you're one of Jesus' disciples, you're watching this. Like I would be very, very frightened. And Jesus is not, he's just simply not scared of the sea or this guy. And one of the great signs that the gospel had come into the world, that the kingdom of God had come into earth, was that the demons recognized who Jesus was before his disciples discovered who he is. That they immediately know that this is the king of the entire cosmos. Which is interesting. And they know his authority. And here's where it gets hard for us. Um, Knowing Jesus' authority is not the same thing as faith. Even knowing his power is not the same thing as knowing him. And that's what Jesus is pushing his disciples towards as he begins to heal this guy. And part of what Jesus is doing is that he's, he's doing this in front of the disciples and what he's showing them is what must happen in their heart if they actually want to be his disciple. That this same thing must happen in their own heart. Now, what is the deal with the pigs? Um, <laughs> in, in Mark, it says that the demons asked Jesus not to send them away into the desert. And there's a sense into which demonic activity prefers to inhabit living things. So that they can bring living things into death. And that's what they do. They immediately go into the pigs. And the pigs enter the cliff. Or like run off the cliff. And immediately into uh, the ocean. And then they all drown. It's a normal Tuesday you know. Um, One time me and my friends were canoeing on the Buffalo River in northern Arkansas. And it was one of those scenes in life that was just, well, it was kind of like Wake Forest campus. It's just serene, beautiful. Um, we were, it was me and five other guys, and we were canoeing around this bend, and there on the mountain was a baby deer, and then a mama deer grazing above the baby deer. And an eagle flies towards the baby deer, and picks up the baby deer by the neck, and throws it off the mountain to its death, gets on top of the baby deer, starts eating his eyes out. No kidding. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. Um, now, look, it's, look it's, one, it's one thing. It is one thing to see something like that on a TV screen on like National Geographic. Like when you see that stuff live, it's like, man, this is crazy. Like nature is crazy. Now, just imagine, think about this text. Think about this text. Thousands of pigs fall off a cliff into the ocean 
to their death. That's the type of thing that resides inside human beings. That's the thing that's untamable. And that's what Jesus has come to deal with. And he sears this into everybody's memory that was at this. I mean, how, how are you going to ever forget, you know, all these pigs? I can't forget that baby deer, that poor baby deer, you know? This is seared into their brains. And so now you have this man without the legion of demons anymore. All the pigs just drowned in the ocean. The herdsmen run into town throughout the region yelling about what just happened. The town comes to the scene, and the first thing they notice is that crazy dude's not acting so crazy anymore. He's normal. He's sitting with his right mind and his clothes, and he's calm. And then the text says in verse 15 that they were very afraid. The whole town was very afraid. They were scared, maybe because the pigs died, or maybe because he has the power to heal this legion guy. But regardless, they don't want Jesus around. And I want you to get this. They asked Jesus to leave their presence, and the Son of the Most High God does as he is told. They want him to get away, and so he consents. Now, what in the world does this have to do with you? You know, we're here in college, in North Carolina, living our life, um, Some of you have had experiences with God and with the spiritual realm. And it's not one of those things where, like, you can explain it away like you were just born in some religious family or, like, you partied a little too hard one night, like you took one too many gummies or, you know, whatever. Whatever whatever you do at Wake Forest to party. But you have this, like, experience, this experience beyond something that you can explain that's of the other world you know of god and here's the crazy thing about us you know we can we can have that thing or we can like make a decision to be a christian we can make a decision to follow god and feel very very it, it's like momentous and then When it's all said and done, we don't actually have faith. We know his power, but we can walk away and not know him. That's the point that this passage is making with Jesus and the disciples as he takes them through the storm and he takes them into the life of this demoniac. To have true faith never ends with some like observable fact about who God is. But to have true faith is to want to be near your creator And when you are near him, you are calm and you enjoy it. And you have this willingness to let him rule you. And openness with God, with everything that you are. Where a human being can actually turn to God and say, In whatever way you want me, I am yours. The testimony about human beings is that that is what will actually bring us satisfaction. 
that that is what your soul longs for. That that's what you've been going after since you were a little boy or little girl. And you go after it, and I go after it, trying to get things from our parents, and then later trying to get things in this world, and then trying to get things from other people. And God says, I can satiate you. I can make you normal. I can calm you. This is what the disciples are going to need to see. That this is what must happen in their own hearts. Now for many of us, the great problem with Jesus is that we kind of want Him to be like a piece of our life. Like we say things like this, like our faith is very important to us. And I want you to to think about Legion. Like how would Legion respond to that approach to Jesus? Like... He would, he would not be able to function if it weren't for Jesus' intrusion into his life. And you don't have to have like some dramatic conversion story or anything to actually be a Christian. But you do eventually have to conclude that I, I'm literally nothing without my life source, Jesus Christ. He is where I come from and he is who can satisfy me and he has everything to give. And he gives everything because he gives himself. And the hard part about Jesus is that you you have to take all that he is into the very center of your being or you have to beg him to leave. And he doesn't offer anything in the middle. And that's that's challenging. And the point is, I believe that this madman is a description of all of us without Jesus. And you're probably like, come on, like, for real, come on. I ain't crazy like that, you know what I'm saying? Like, this dude's crazy. He's crazy. Yeah, okay, I mean, maybe your crazy isn't as blatant as his. But, I mean, maybe your form of cutting yourself with sharp rocks is that you could never imagine yourself five pounds lighter or heavier. Maybe, maybe your form of crazy is that you check your bank account ten times a day. And you know that number is going to stay the same, but you do it anyways because it makes you feel safe. Maybe your crazy is that you live under all this pressure, so much pressure. And if truth be told, there's a part of you that kind of likes it. Because you don't know who you'd be without it. It has become normal to live under it. I mean, y'all know, like with relationships, somebody likes you, you feel like a super, superhero. Somebody avoids you, you know, you feel like you want to go watch 12 hours of Netflix. It's insanity, right? Like you, you are not the value of what, what people think about you. What God, what God thinks about you is what will last. And he really likes you. I mean, it would be like if you showed up on campus your very first day of your freshman year and you were given a 4.0 and then the president says, now go earn the 4.0. That's, that's Christianity. It's like you are given the righteousness of Christ. Now go, go figure that out. Go live that out. You ain't got to be crazy. You ain't got to have that squirrel in your head that's always going, always going, you know. Oh, is that, is that just me? Okay. <laughs> Think about it, though. What, ca- what causes you anxiety? What causes you anxiety? 
Even if you don't believe in God, you know this. Don't you just have this faint suspicion that like if you don't get that under control a little bit more, you're going to go you're going to go crazy. You're going to go mad. And you got to begin to think, okay, the the Lord the Lord has placed me in this circumstance and he's given me this set of inclinations and so what is my legion? What is it for me? And do I think that the Lord Jesus can, can heal that? Um, sin, this is what sin does. It's absurd because it takes you in the opposite direction of your life source. And we must never think. When I was a campus minister, I would have these... Uh, these students who grew up in church and they, they would get to campus and then they would start partying and not like the good partying, but like the kind of just like, dude, you need to calm down. And like, are you going to calm down? And they, they would tell me, um, I, I'll settle down after college. And we forget that all, all time is eternally present with God. And when you become an adult outside of college... Like that, that partying actually turns into more, you know, socially acceptable things like staying really busy and making sure that you have enough money and making sure that your kids are well adjusted and all this stuff that actually helps you avoid Jesus Christ. And what Jesus wants to do is say, all that you're after is in me. And he's coming for you. And the gospel of the kingdom says that when you admit that, when you admit that, yes, there's a part of me that's just absolutely mad. And you, re- you recognize that I have been wanting to push Jesus out of my life in, in so many ways. That's when you can turn to God and just simply say, can you help me? Can you help? And man, Jesus loves to help. In that moment. Um, hey, look, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close up here. And I know that, like, you got to go back and live your normal life. And life at Wake is, is, I'm sure, very challenging with all sorts of the things that you're trying to do socially, the things that you're trying to do academically. And a lot of times when I, when I hear sermons, I'm just like, okay, but, like, I don't actually believe that I can change. Like, I know, you're saying, I know you're saying all this, you know, talker, um, but like, if, if truth be told, like, I'm going to walk out of here and, and it's just not going to make much of a difference. When I was younger, my favorite grandparent, uh, he was a step-grandfather, his name was Charlie, and we used to work out on his property during the summer, and there would be all these bees and wasps that were like flying around, and when I was little, I was just so deathly afraid of wasps and bees, and so I just... Anytime they would come near, I'd just like run away. And Charlie would say, he would say, you know, Matthew, if you, if you would calm down, they wouldn't bother you. And I had living proof because they would land on his shoulder and they wouldn't like bother him or, or sting him. But I just could not, I could not do it when I was little. And now I have kids of my own who, let's say, they are also triggered by the stinging insects of this world that they can't calm down when they land on, you know. 
And then I hear, I hear my voice in Charlie. And I say, Lazarus, Ambrose, if you, if you would just chill. And here's what I want to tell you. Um, if, if God can change somebody in 20 years in the physical realm like that, what do you think he can do in 20 million years with you? What, what, do you, what do you think he wants to do with you? And it's not just calm for the sake of calm. It's calm so that you can commune with the one who created you. So that you could be at one with him. Now, most of you are on the trajectory of great things in the modern world in terms of the physical realm. Like you're, you're going to have great connections. You're going to do wonderful things in business. And that, that is incredible. That's incredible stuff. This is God's sovereignty over your life. This is why you're here at Wake. But what, what I want to say to you is that with that, Jesus wants you to consider the realm of heaven and hell and that it's real. And that though you will have success in this world, many of you will, in the other world, in that realm, we are all desperate. It's all a level playing field there. And so what that means is that when you walk past a homeless person, when you see actual crazy people, you see yourself. And you say, if there's hope for me, there's hope for them. Because I got the same stuff inside of me. And this is how Jesus changed me. This is who Jesus is for me. And you take that with you and you give it to the world. And you believe that the the trajectory of your life is toward the king who can calm you. And that's your end. And like he calmed the forces in nature, he can calm what's inside of us. And the beautiful thing about eternal life is that that's available to you right now. It's not some distant thing in the future. It is that, but it's also something accessible in this very moment. That you can have it in this very moment. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so I'm going to pray that we get a little taste of that right now and call it a night. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for healing Legion. And we thank you, Lord, that you have not given us over to that which seems to always control us internally, but what we often don't let show. And Lord, I pray that you would make this group, especially here on this campus at Wake, those who are so honest and so open and so vulnerable that they will talk to anybody on this campus and give them the gospel and give them what they received. And so, Father, would you do that by the power of the Spirit and would you let us know that eternal life is now. It is future and it is also now. In Christ's name, amen.